Welcome to the Elopement Podcast, the first ever wedding planning podcast dedicated entirely to couples who are ditching tradition and instead choosing what speaks to them most. I'm Ruth Ann Z, an intimate wedding and elopement photographer, and I eloped too. So trust me, I get it. This podcast exists to serve you in a season that not many others can understand. From planning advice, tips, and tricks to candid conversations with couples, vendors, and even my husband, I'm here for you. I can't wait to help you plan the most kick-ass day of your life. So let's go. Hello, welcome to the Elopement Podcast. My name is Ruth Anzi. I am your host, and today we are talking timelines. Timelines, I think, are one of the most under-discussed elements of an elopement day. And the reason I feel this way is because timelines set the tone for the entire day and give you the ability to honestly cultivate the environment and facilitate the the events that you want to happen throughout your day. So timelines are super important. I'm going to get all into it and talk about all the things. But before we get started, quick note from our sponsor, Wandering Weddings. If you have been listening to this series, you have heard me talk about them. Wandering Weddings is the number one elopement blog for couples who are adventurous at heart and looking for help in planning and sourcing amazing vendors for their elopement. Wandering Weddings guides couples with the inspiration and resources that they need to make their elopement day dreams come true. You can go to wanderingweddings.com to start planning your elopement. They're amazing vendors, blogs, resources, all of the things to help inspire you throughout your elopement planning process. In addition, if you are an elopement vendor or looking to get into elopements as a vendor, you can get 10% off of your first year in being part of the Wandering Weddings vendor directory by going to wanderingweddings.com forward slash join dash now and uh, use promo code podcast at checkout for 10% off your first year. Again, that's wanderingweddings.com forward slash join dash now promo code podcast podcast. All right, let's get into this. It's time to talk timelines. Okay, timelines are literally one of those things that I am so mega passionate about, and it is a very prominent part of my business and how I run my business and something that is included in the services that I offer to all of my clients. And the reason for that is because you've never planned a wedding before, or if you have planned a wedding before, you've probably never planned an elopement before. Um, So we we are here to create a day that is unlike anything else you've ever experienced and to facilitate certain things throughout the course of that day that leave you feeling inspired, refreshed, adventurous, all of the things. And there are people who can help you throughout that process um, and ensure that it is more streamlined and efficient. But if you are not in a position where you have somebody assisting you and and giving you feedback to bounce off of, um, this podcast hopefully will fill the void of resources that doesn't really exist on that to help you plan this on your own. So we're going to talk all about it. Um, vendors, for those of you who are listening, because I know that there are quite a few of you, uh, specifically photographers and videographers, timelines are something that you should absolutely be invested in. And we're going to talk about that throughout this episode. Um, but it's it's something that is so beneficial and so just honestly value adding to the experience that you are giving your clients. And in my opinion, there's no reason not to have your hand in that element because it gives you so much more control over the final product of the day and ensuring that you meet the expectations of your clients. So on both sides, I think timelines are really important. I think uh, vendors have a really special opportunity to step in and create a timeline that, um, you know, 
plays to the things that we are looking to enhance and have time for. And additionally, as a vendor, I've witnessed a lot of weddings. I've been to a lot of weddings at this point. So I know what not to do and what to do. And um, these are all just important things to take into consideration. So I'm... Basically, just said this, but one of the key pieces to ensuring that your day is amazing is that you are creating a timeline that allows for that to happen. Um, And we don't want to list on a minute-by-minute play-by-play because that is stressful AF. We do want to set some parameters for your day by having a general idea of what time things need to happen by or where you need to be throughout the day um, and little pieces like that. Obviously, if you have guests, we've got to let them know where to be, when, or, you know, where to meet us to get somewhere. So, It's really important that you go into this understanding that the timeline is not going to make your life more stressful. It's going to make your life less stressful on your wedding day. And I think a lot of people just think like, oh, we're just going to like go with it. But if you just go with it, you don't actually know what time anything is happening. And that's just really not creating the environment that we are seeking to create in the elopement that you are setting out to have. Um, So like I said, as a super involved photographer myself, and I specialize in planning elopements, um, I'm really invested in creating a timeline that works for everyone and allows me to meet the expectations of my couples um, when they are reaching out to me and wanting to work with me. A good example of this is if you come to me with the expectation of wanting sunset photos and you tell me that you have dinner at 7 p.m., Sunset photos are not going to be a priority if dinner is taking precedent there. So having somebody that knows what they're doing and and understands the way that the lighting works and how to meet your expectations throughout this process is very helpful. But again, if you don't have that, um, hopefully the things that I talk about throughout this episode will give you a little bit of perspective and reassurance in how to go about this yourself. Um, So when I worked traditional weddings, a lot of times I would have 10 minutes of golden hour. And golden hour is what we call like the last, you know, hour of the day, sometimes hour and a half, depending on where you are. Sometimes it's only 15 minutes. It kind of just depends day to day, season, location, all of those things. But when I would work traditional weddings, it was very common for me to have about 15 minutes with a couple for their portraits after the ceremony. So we would usually do first look. um, And if they didn't have a first look, then we didn't get like, then we would have to do bridal party photos and groomsmen and just like the whole wedding party after the, after the ceremony. And um, it really just left us feeling super crunched. And then we have to do family photos and their couple portraits and, and all of these things. And it's just not, it's not a pleasant experience to be perfectly honest with you. And I cannot tell you how many times I have had to pull a couple away from dinner or cocktail hour or something to get the 10 minutes of photos that are going to give them the images that they were dreaming of throughout the whole experience. That warm golden light, sun flare, uh, just really peaceful, beautiful, cozy-looking imagery. And if you only have 10 minutes to do that, there's not a lot of authenticity taking place in those 10 minutes to actually facilitate the moments that we want to document. So instead of – I mean, I'm going to rephrase this. This is fine if it is what you are dealing with and it is what you're working with and you are just going with the flow and it, it just is what it is. Um, however, if you do have the ability to take the step back and set your priorities and structure the rest of the day around those priorities rather than the expectation, and that's something we've talked about throughout the series, like priorities versus expectation, priorities versus expectation, that's incredible. And for me, when I was working big weddings, I often found that we were forced to make a choice 
make a choice on what was more important on the wedding day rather than having set the tone of like, we're going to talk about this beforehand so that when it comes to make the choice, we know which one that we're going to make if that arises rather than being in the moment being like uh uh I don't know what we're gonna do like are we gonna stay for dinner are we gonna let our food get cold we paid a lot of money for this but we really want these sunset portraits and we're also paying a lot of money for that and like what do you do there so creating the expectations and setting the tone off the bat to be able to give you a guideline to make decisions off of is so 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 helpful and I want to make it super clear that I do not fault the timelines that take place on traditional wedding days because there's only so much you can do in an eight-hour day. That's just the reality of it. And most couples are are working within a very specific set of events, and and that just is what it is. However, again, you are eloping, and there there are rules that are off the table. There are things that we don't have to think about, and you have the power, ultimately, at the end of the day, to make decisions that will influence the things that you want to prioritize most. So... Most of the time for me personally, my couples come to me wanting epic photos with an epic view. How many times can I say epic? Um, (laughs) And a stress-free environment and the ability to be flexible. Those are always the most common pain points. They say we don't want to be stressed, we want to have flexibility, and we really want gorgeous photos. So knowing that off the bat, I know that there's certain expectations I have to set. If we want photos at X time of day, we're going to need to build the timeline off of X time of day. Um, And, you know, with that, most couples want to have a ceremony. They want to have a family meal or a mini reception if they have guests. Um, maybe they want some getting ready photos. Maybe they want a first look. Sometimes they don't want a first look. No matter what, we are always going to start with a list of intentions and priorities. So if you are planning your elopement day timeline, sit down, write out the things that are most important for you to feel and experience on your wedding day. What are your intentions? Sometimes it's to avoid stress, have fun, see a new view, climb a mountain. Outside of marrying your person, what do you want the intention of your wedding day to be? And this is really, really helpful because again, throughout the process, as we're making decisions and as we're faced with crossroads, you have the ability to come back to this and say, okay, of these choices, which one is going to get us closer to this intention that we've set? And it's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to look the way that you want it to. However, it's going to give you a guideline to go off of. Instead of feeling overwhelmed in the moment of making the decision, you just say, I'm just going to like, we're going to talk about this. What actually gets us closer to our goal? Um, so from there, it's important to look at the time that you have with your photographer, um, because that is most of the time, you know, the the biggest vendor of an elopement. Um, and that's a valid priority to place at the top of your list. So my rule of thumb personally is to work backwards off of 15 minutes past sunset for coverage time. Um, and if we're not doing any photos of the reception, you know, that's that's kind of what we do. Um, if we are doing photos of a reception or a dinner or something like that, depending on how much of that we want documented, um, this can change. But typically, if we're doing after ceremony sunset photos we will work off of about an hour and a half past sunset um so that gives us some time to get back to wherever the house is wherever they're staying whatever and take some photos of the table setup of the food of the guests of maybe some toasts of a cake cutting whatever it is um and again this is different for every single couple because no two elopement days look the same but that allows us to have the time and flexibility to move through that without much pressure. Um, And usually I do not stay past like 
the food being served unless there is a request for that because you don't really care to have photos of people eating. And if you do, that's that's interesting. Good for you. Um, <laughs> but but typically my rule is 15 minutes past sunset if we are stopping after sunset or an hour and a half past sunset if we are doing photos um, back wherever your little mini reception is being held. So um, after you've set your intentions, it's important to get the sunset time so that you know that. If you are wanting to do a morning sunrise ceremony, that's totally fine. Hang on. We will get to that. I had a morning ceremony, so we'll talk about it and how to kind of restructure this to accomplish that. Accomplish that. But if you are looking to do a sunset portrait session and want to build off of that, you need to have the sunset time. So Google sunset location, whatever your location is, and date. So we're just going to go with sunset Lake Tahoe, July 15th. You're going to Google that and you're going to say, what time is the sunset? Let's just say, uh, I'll guess it is at 847. That's my guess. I didn't actually Google it before starting recording. Um, So if sunset is at 847, we're just going to go ahead and round or yeah, 847. We're going to go ahead and round to nine o'clock. Okay. And that's the time that we are going to set as the end time for this timeline. Everything that happens after that is up to you, but we are going to set my coverage time as your photographer at the end of nine o'clock. There we go. Perfect. Done. So after you have sunset, you add the five minutes, 15 minutes, you mark as your end time. And this is the last item that happens before we go back to wherever your reception location is happening or you head off to dinner. Um, And now we're going to work backwards off of this time. So the next question you need to ask is how much coverage do you want to use for your sunset portraits slash how much coverage do you have? Like, what do you want this to look like? So if you are working with a five-hour elopement day coverage, it's probably pretty safe to say that we are going to use a lot of that for, maybe not a lot of it, but we're going to use a good chunk of that for sunset portraits. Um, My rule of thumb, again, these are all just personal preferences, but my rule of thumb is that I don't like to spend less than an hour and a half taking photos because I hate feeling rushed. I hate um, not having the opportunity to actually generate authentic moments. And I really, really, really do not like being pressured into documenting certain things when we could have created a timeline that just allows those things to flow a little bit more naturally. Um, You will see a lot of people have minimums as far as the timeline coverage goes for that reason. For me personally, I don't do less than a five-hour day because I know the expectations that my clients come to me with cannot be met in less than five hours. I just know that. That's just my, that's my, that's my rule. Um, So, How much of your coverage do you want to use for your sunset portraits? Again, kind of working off of the hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on where you're going, how long the hike is, all of that sort of stuff. So this is this is a very like thorough process. And the next question that I usually get when we're talking about this is, well, do we have to do photos at sunset? Because if we're doing photos at sunset, that means that the ceremony is going to happen before that. And then we're leaving our guests for at least an hour and a half. And that feels kind of shady. My answer to that is no, you don't have to do photos at sunset, but if your expectation is for ooey gooey golden light that is super cozy and warm and inviting and really beautiful that you see in a lot of the imagery that is posted um, in regards to elopements, you are going to want to have a sunset ceremony or a, or a sunset 
uh, portrait session because that's how we're going to accomplish that. It's pretty hard to make harsh light look soft. (laughs) That's just the fact of it. So in that scenario, you are going to have a ceremony that takes place earlier in the day, um, working around the light, of course, and then allowing for time following the ceremony to spend a little bit of time with your guests and then moving into your portraits where you take some time away from your guests to go – have photos just the two of you now in that a lot of times people are like oh my gosh we don't want to lose our we don't want to leave our guests how rude they've come all this way yada 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 and my answer to that is again this is part of my elopement planning process if you have guests and we know that you know you want sunset portraits and that's important to you we're going to build in some time after your ceremony for you to pop a bottle of champagne or um do a little cake cutting or share a snack or do something that is of substance, um, not of substance, but something that is that is more than just showing up for the ceremony because most of the time ceremonies are very short. So to have this whole buildup of this day, your friends and family get all dressed up, they walk into the woods with you to witness a 10-minute ceremony and then leave, I understand that that's not the vibe we're going for. So I always allot about an hour for my ceremonies to ensure that there is plenty of time for us to get to the ceremony, have the ceremony, take some time to revel in what happened at the ceremony afterwards, pop a bottle of champagne, exchange gifts, whatever the couple wants. We always build in time for that as well as the portraits with your guests following that so that we're not just like walking into the woods for 15 minutes and and then done with everything. That's not what we're going for here. Um, Going back to if you have to do photos at sunset, no, no, you do not. You can do photos whenever you want. That's totally fine. But if you want golden hour, that's that's the time that we're looking for. And again, golden hour is about the last hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, depending on where you are, what time of year it is, your location, all of that sort of stuff. Um, it, it can vary. So that's just something to keep in mind. Now, the other thing that you have to account for is hike time, drive time, parking time. And these are things that a lot of times you don't think about or are not going to be mentioned or noted on a wedding planning, how to plan your timeline, DIY blog situation, because they're not typical parts of a wedding day. Most of the time people stay really close to their venue. Um, Maybe they're on site with their venue. They're not hiking places. These are just variables that are not part of most people's wedding day experiences. So it's always important to get a general idea of like the trailhead you're going or or the general location that you're going. Map it from the house and and make sure that you have an understanding of how long it's going to take and then add five to ten minutes. Um, And the reason that I always add five to ten minutes is because crap happens and we don't really know what's going to go down the day of but that allows for a little bit extra time to park if there if it's a really busy um, location that allows for extra time in case somebody forgets their vows or we leave the marriage license or something like that happens that we need to take a quick pause and turn around the other thing that I always like to note in planning this is that nothing happens on your wedding day without you and that's something that I always tell my clients throughout Every single elopement day that I am part of is if we start getting to the point where we're stressed and we feel anxious because we're quote unquote behind schedule, the fact of the matter is that nothing is going on unless you're there. So it's all good. Like, take your time, take a deep breath, we're fine. And that's the other beautiful thing about building in an hour and a half to two hours for portraits in, in, you know, my elopements personally is that if we lose 30 minutes because we're behind, and we started out with two hours, we're still at that hour and a half that I want to have. So 
it's all about understanding the things that can go wrong, planning for best case scenario, and plan B being okay and still allowing us to have the bare minimum of what we're looking to accomplish. Um, So you have to account for drive time, hike time, um, and then the next question is how long does a ceremony take? Again, it varies. I don't really know. Depends on how much is going to be involved in your ceremony. It depends on how many people are involved in the ceremony. It depends on if you are reading your own vows or you are just reciting them. It is completely up to you. But again, I like to a lot about one hour for the ceremony to make sure that we are intentional with the guests present, that we allow time to take a deep breath, enjoy that moment, revel in it, exchange hugs and photos and do whatever is compelling in that moment without the pressure of, oh my gosh, we got to go. Like it's on to the next thing. Because if there is anything that I want to avoid, it is rushing from one thing to the next without giving proper time to have reverence for what took place before that. So um, we're working backwards here. Obviously, you're probably like, this is a little little bit much, but but we'll go through it. We'll 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 go through it right side up. Um, the next thing to think about is, do you want a first look? A lot of couples choose to have a first look. It's something really special to them. It does make it easier logistically to get from one place to another, and it's totally doable. You can get ready together. You can get ready separately, um, and then just see each other outside. There are lots of ways to do this. This is a completely personal decision. I love first looks. I think they're really sweet, but totally up to you. Getting ready coverage is the next piece that you need to think about. Is it something that's important to you? From a photography, videography standpoint, it helps tell the story. I'm going to be super honest with you. It super helps tell the story. But if it's not something that you want to use your coverage for and you would rather spend the time that you have with your vendors doing epic things in the mountains or on the beach or wherever you are eloping, that's totally valid and it's okay to to kind of deviate away from that. But you still have to write getting ready on your schedule because it's something that you're going to need to pass along to the hair and makeup artist that you have if you have one of those. Um, And just to give yourself a timeline of what time you need to start in order to keep the day running smoothly. Um, An all-day adventure is going to look very, very, very different from a five-day a five-hour, five-day, goodness Lord, um, a five-hour elopement. Those are very different days. There are totally different things that can take place in those. My general rule of thumb is that five hours is enough for me to show up, get your first look, get us to the ceremony site, and have sufficient time to um, get to a awesome like portrait location, have a little bit of time for a breather in there, a couple breathers, and make sure that we are not feeling rushed. Versus an all-day adventure starting from sun up to sundown will allow us to have a sunrise hike if you want. If you want to watch the sun come up on your wedding day, let's do it. That sounds amazing. A lot of my couples choose to do that, and it's really fun. Um, from there, we can go back to the house and have breakfast with your guests or just the two of you. We can stop at a coffee shop. Um, obviously, that's a little bit logistically challenging in COVID, but still totally doable. Um, you can pick up breakfast. We could go for a sunrise canoe across the lake. There's lots of things that you can do with an all-day adventure versus just five hours or eight hours or even 10 hours. Um, So considering what you want the day to look like is also very important in this process um, and and figuring out how you want to incorporate the little things that make you and your partner you into this timeline is something that you should absolutely be thinking of from here on out. Now, if you're going to do a sunrise elopement, you are going to need to give yourself a good buffer 
And I say good buffer. I mean a really good buffer so that you do not miss the light. Unlike sunset, we can get somewhere and wait for the light to get good at sunset. Sun's going down. We're watching it. Like, we know exactly what's going to happen. Sunrise, the best light is going to start early and it's going to get progressively worse in the first two hours. Um, My rule of thumb in summertime is that I don't want to shoot main things in bright open sun between 10 o'clock a.m. and 3 to 4 p.m. That can change depending on what part of summer we're in. Um, So it most often is like from 10 to 2 is off limits. We're not going to be in broad sunlight because it's just too harsh. I don't mind shooting in it. It just doesn't offer the same level of softness. And um, who wants to be squinting in that? It's it's just not pleasant. So those are the things we think about. Um, And in, you know, a a typical timeline, we will do the ceremony in the woods or in a um, shaded canopied area that allows for the guests who are present or even just the officiant if it's a traditional true elopement to not be super duper like squinty and staring into the sun that's that's not fun for anybody also midday summertime it's hot nobody really wants that we've all been to weddings where you sit in the middle in the middle of an open field in blazing hot sun and that's not really a pleasant experience so there's no rules we do what we want and we can plan accordingly for that So again, if you're planning a sunrise elopement, you need to give yourself a good buffer to get there in time. Um, The light obviously gets progressively worse throughout the day, like I said, and it's not like we can wait around for it to get better. Like if we miss it, we miss it. I had a sunrise elopement. You guys have heard me talk about that. And I was up at like 2 o'clock to start getting my hair done at 2.30, and that was in August here in Tahoe. So it was a very early day. We planned for it. Like we knew what we were we knew what we were getting into. I think our families resented us for a year um, despite, you know, prepping them for it. But it was really beautiful, and I really loved getting to watch the sun come up on my wedding day Um in that, like, and saying that I got married at the break of dawn, like we were married that day, um, and I I love that element of it. But some people are not morning people, or their guests aren't morning people, and that is totally okay. Um, couple other things that can affect timeline is how much time you want to spend with guests. I have an elopement coming up that the couple is having a um, like Zoom reception. They're creating these little Zoom rooms to have. Um, time to visit with their would-be guests. Um, And so we have, they ended up booking me for an additional day to do their portraits the day after so that they had sufficient time to spend time with their guests on their wedding day. Obviously, it looks different in COVID, but that was something that was really important to them. So that can affect your timeline. Um, hiking, like I said, can affect your timeline. Portrait time, how much time you want to do that. I encourage a lot of people to break bread together, and that sounds really cheesy, but I think there is a lot to be said for taking time to um, to sit down and slow down enough to eat and to engage with each other. I love dinner time conversations with my husband. I love I love having that time to just be together and and enjoy the experience of something in addition to their company. So um, that's always something to keep in mind if you have time for that, if you're not rushing back to your guests. Um, if it's just the two of you versus a big group, it's going to look very, very, very different. And that's a given, of course, but there's a lot of things that you can do with a group that you can't do with two people. And there's a lot of things that you can do just the two of you that would be inhibited if you had additional guests. Um, and then obviously the first look and no first look option is going to change things pretty significantly. Um, a first look frees up, you know, 
the ability to like see each other and drive together and 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 knock some things out on the front end versus if you really don't want to see each other until you are actually walking down your whatever aisle may be um that that will look a little bit differently um so again, going back to the intentions that we set, as you are building your timeline, if you are faced with a hard decision, reference those intentions. Come back to it. Sit in it. Look at those things. Say, is this going to change the overall feeling and vibe of our day? Is this going to compromise what we've set out to accomplish? Um, last year, I had a couple that was just such a good example of this. After Deciding to get married, they they got engaged and they decided to come out here and elope, um, you know, knowing of COVID and that it was a thing and, and kind of planning around that. And um, after, after we made those plans, things just kind of got really funky and their guest list changed and their date then had to change and... All of these things just kept happening and it was super duper overwhelming and just like a really big bummer. Additionally, the wildfires here in California and consequential forest closures added a whole new layer of stress to our planning, like far beyond anything I've ever experienced. And as I was sitting there reworking their schedule for the third time, we had moved from one to the next to the next. I was feeling really defeated, but had their intentions to come back to, and that helped me so much more than I could possibly communicate to you guys, because it reminded me, why are we here? What are we doing? What is the intention? Does it matter if we can see the lake? It's a bummer, but no, it doesn't. Does it matter if all of their guests are here? Nope, they just want to be married. So all of these these intentions that they set that I knew from building a relationship and talking with them were at the forefront of my mind. And I didn't actually have them, you know, write out a list of intentions. Um, it was actually this elopement that has kind of prompted me into that practice with each of my future couples. But I had I, I knew what we were looking to accomplish and I knew what to measure everything up against. And that really changed everything in facing some hard decisions. Ultimately, at the end of the day, their wedding day was incredible. We had such a powerful time together. Their photos were amazing. And I know the experience exceeded what their expectations were based on the way that things had changed. And I I really attribute that to the fact that we had been intentional about what their elopement day was all about to begin with. Um, I also mentioned this, that you know, if you're having guests and you're having a ceremony and you don't want to leave them, um, it's totally valid for your guests from time to time to have a little bit of hesitation or um, it's not uncommon for a mom to say, well, that's rude to leave your guests after the ceremony. They've come all this way, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I don't really think it's enough to make decisions off of because at the end of the day, this is already not a traditional wedding, so we're not going to adhere to traditional standards. So even though your guests might not love that you're leaving them for a few hours after the ceremony, um, you also have the power to take a few minutes, pop some champagne, like I said, and build a timeline in a way that will allow you to be intentional with them and still be intentional about what you want the rest of your day to look like. So typically to just kind of recap everything that we've talked about, typically the way that this works um, on my end when I am planning timelines is we will set the intentions, 
visit how much coverage we have, how much coverage, um, you know, they they are looking to use for certain things. We will reference, you know, if they want to get up early and have time together beforehand, if they want a first look, um, how far our location is. All of these details are important. And sometimes we don't have the location set when we're building the timeline. We pick the location based on the timeline, based on how we're allotting um you know, hours to other things. And then we work off of 15 minutes past sunset. So just remind, remember that as you're going through this. The other thing to keep in mind for those of you who don't work in the mountains, the vendors out there, or if you are getting married in the mountains um, and you don't live there, the sun is different here. And I honestly don't have anything else to add to that because I have lived here forever and this is my primary shoot location. I am just used to working with the sun. I know how it works. It's second nature to me. But keep in mind that it's really never a bad idea to give yourself an extra 25 minutes um, if you're unsure about what the light is going to do because I can tell you that the atmosphere stays a lot lighter at sea level when you're standing on a beach than it does in the mountains. In like contrast to that, though, um, if the sun sinks behind the mountains 15, 20, 30 minutes before it actually dips below the horizon line, you are going to have so much more light up until actual true sunset because the atmosphere will still be very well lit versus when the sun goes down at the ocean. Like once it's gone, it's gone. So, um yeah, so we we we'll take all these elements, we'll we'll take it into consideration, and then we start building the timeline based off of all of the intentions that have been set, all of the priorities, all of the expectations, and and we'll go from there. So again, a five hour day for me, I know what that what that should look like, um, and what I can include in that without adding stress, which is the number one thing that couples come to me looking to avoid. They don't want to be stressed, and I'm guessing that you're in the same boat. So knowing that, I know that in five hours I can show up to their Airbnb, we can snap some first look photos, we can take a couple family portraits if we need to beforehand, we can head off to the ceremony location, have a beautiful ceremony, allow for time for everybody to enjoy being together before heading off to our portrait location, sometimes it's just further up the trail. Sometimes it's a completely different location altogether. And we have the ability to not rush through any of that experience. An eight-hour timeline will look like me arriving, getting detail shots during getting ready, moving into a first look or maybe no first look kind of depends. Again, most of my couples choose a first look. Um, We'll do the first look, head off to the ceremony location. That'll typically happen much more midday than it will in like a five-hour elopement day. And after the ceremony is over, we will, again, pop some champagne, spend some intentional time together, head off to do portraits. And a lot of times couples will allot a little bit of time to document the um, the evening portion of their elopement day. So we'll we'll account for a little bit more time, head back to the Airbnb, hotel, restaurant, wherever we are, um, and and incorporate that. So um, that's what that looks like. For a sunrise timeline, like I said, I got up at 2.30 um, on my wedding day. It was, by the time I was ready, I think it was like six something. Um, and then we drove up our mountain and hiked to our little location and and had our ceremony as the sun was peeking through the trees. Um, and then we did our portraits. We spent about an hour and a half with our photographer before heading back to the Airbnb, having breakfast, um, brunch, I guess, and then um, and then jumping into the lake and taking a very long nap because we were exhausted. 
So um, the other thing that I haven't really mentioned is and this is something I tell all of my couples when we are in the process of determining what's important to include any events, any, you know, elements of the day. Um, if these photos were all that you had, if the photos that you were getting taken on your wedding day were all that you had to tell people what your love story looks like, what it feels like, how it makes you feel, what would you include? How would you structure that day? And that is a piece that we always, in addition to the intentions, come back to when we are planning because remembering what you want people to know about you from these images will help you make the choices to actually accomplish that. So timeline creation is obviously super important based on uh, this podcast episode. There's a lot that goes into it. And the other thing that I want to say, again, leading back to the stress topic, most couples want to avoid stress. And I personally build in lots of buffers. I know what time, you know, I, I know what goes behind hair and makeup. Honestly, a lot of time goes behind. Um, it's not uncommon to have somebody forget something. So I'm really, I'm really trying to um, even step up my game and making sure that I send appropriate reminders to have things set out so that we don't forget things. Um, but just Taking into consideration all of the things that are important to you, that make up your relationship, that are things that you want to remember about this season of life and when you married your person, um, that will give you so much direction when when you sit down to make this timeline. Um, the other thing I want to note is a lot of my couples opt to do a day before or after session. And if you are eloping with a photographer that you don't have the opportunity to do an engagement session with, this can be really, really helpful in um, getting comfortable and making sure that the timeline that you've created is optimized because you are not going to be dealing with the getting to know you phase once you are like on your wedding day like you will have spent some time gotten comfortable and you also get some photos of you guys um, you know in normal clothing and and not wedding day attire um, last thing before we wrap up is just I want to reference back to what all day elopements look like in the schedule that that in that entails um, I, like I mentioned a lot of my couples who do all day elopements they want to get up and watch the sun come up on their wedding day and I think that is super duper special I have some couples that choose to um, be super simple and just like have breakfast together um, maybe we go down to the lake and you know make coffee in the jet boil and french press it's totally up to you but regardless of how much coverage you have for your day don't hesitate to set aside time to spend together that is intentional outside of what tradition would typically dictate. Um, and that's that's probably one of the most powerful pieces of advice that I could give you that even if it's not documented in your photos, this is still your wedding day. And it's still a day that holds a ton of power and meaning. And if you can have the forethought to set aside the time and be intentional and create the memories that you will carry with you for the next 50 years, I I can only encourage you to do that. So with that, that's everything you need to know about creating a timeline. Um, I'm not like I, I didn't give you a play by play of, you know, what time everything should happen, because that's all that all depends on sunset and and what we're working off of um, 
in the location that you're in and the time of year and all of that. But hopefully this gives you some tools that are tangible to, you know, plan out your day and and get a grasp on what your timeline should look like and to give you the ability to set some intentions there and um, put your foot down on the things that matter and and prioritize avoiding the stress and anxiety that a lot of wedding days can feel. Um, And the other thing, last thing I do want to say actually before we wrap this up is that a lot of times, you know, it's easy to look at a traditional wedding day timeline, creation guide, whatever you want to call it and see getting ready photos and first look and first dances. And I would like to remind you to reference last week's episode about traditions as you are making this timeline because a lot of the traditions that we are expected to adhere to, um, they don't really have a place in your elopement. And that is completely subjective to every single couple. But um, if you don't really care to wait to see each other get ready together I've had so many couples help each other get ready and it is one of my favorite it's so it's so sweet it's so sweet um I had a couple recently my bride was pregnant and she wanted to do a gender reveal um after the wedding and so they after the elopement ceremony so they got cupcakes and that was like their cake cutting and gender reveal all rolled into one and there was nothing traditional about it and I loved it. So go back to that episode if you're feeling stuck, if you need some inspiration. Um, Of course, please feel free to reach out to me with questions relating to this. Um, I am probably not going to be able to make your timeline for you unless you are one of my current existing clients, but I'm happy to um, expand upon some tips and answer any questions that you might have relating to this topic. Um, So with that, I wish you the best of luck in planning your timeline, and I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that this fills a little bit of the void that is out there about timelines and empowers you to create a timeline that will truly facilitate the day of your dreams. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you have a spare second, go ahead and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me. And of course, if you have any questions about today's podcast episode or would like to request a topic, you can email me at theelopementpodcast at gmail.com.